0: it's
2: the No Near Never podcast, with your host, Jamie Smith. Hello and welcome to tonight's No No Never podcast, the 0-0 draw with Manchester United to look back on, and we're recording on transfer deadline there, so we'll be able to talk about some of the deals, but not all of them, because the window is yet to slam shut as we record. Guests tonight, James Burd Natalie Bromley, and also Tom Bramwell, a Manchester United fan, is with us. This evening, Um, we'll start off with this week's question of the week, which was, how are the two new signings confirmed so far? That's George Boyd and Nathaniel Chalabar going to fit into the side. Adam?
3: We've had quite a few tweets in, um, just a few here. Uh, David Whitney says Boyd will come straight in, in place of Taylor. Chalabar will probably have to bide his time. Uh, Elliot Clegg says uh, Boyd will be on the left um, and Chalabar is there if we need to hold a lead. And uh go four five one until he's better than Jones. Uh Matthew Van Der Peer reckons um it'll be a midfield three of Marnie, Jones and Chalabar. Uh Boyd behind the striker and Arfield and Taylor on the wings. Um J.H. Riley says uh Boyd will be on the bench for attacking options, um, or starting against weaker teams we can have uh majority of possession with. Uh Chalabar is there if any um if there are any centre... but um centre-midfield mid- or centre-back um, getting in- injured um, and fresh legs towards the end of the game and that's about it. Yeah,
2: I'd expect the two of them to play quite a lot actually so someone is going to have to drop out we'll come back to that a little bit later but Saturday was Burnley's first point of the new season um, a third game and a, a first clean sheet as well 0-0 against Manchester United and um, James, we'll start with you. It was a pretty even game, wasn't it? I felt Burnley maybe even had the better of it overall.
4: Yeah, I thought Burnley deserved to win to be honest. Um Manchester United looked a really poor side. Having had Chelsea come to the turf the other week and been able to see, you know, how the two stack up, I think Man United are probably eleven new players away from being as good as Chelsea. Um, they just don't even look in the same league. Just the eleven um, new players, then not just, like just,
2: a, a whole overall.
4: <laughs> no, no, not not too severe. But, uh, you know, I thought Di Maria; he doesn't really look like he's worth fifty-nine million pound, in my opinion. But um, you know, I think there was only really two clear-cut chances in the game. Uh, one for us, one for them, and both I think the striker should have done better with. So a draw is probably fair after.
2: You know, going off what chances were were there. It was a tight match, Natalie, wasn't it? But how much that was down to the organisation that we showed defensively we were a lot stronger than we have been so far this season, weren't
1: we? Oh, definitely. I think it was... Um... A much well, you say a much improved performance uh, than the one against Chelsea, but I, I don't think a lot of the Chelsea performance was down to us. Um, no, that's true. I think we're just outclassed, but I think I was really impressed with how disciplined they were, and I think the first couple of games I felt uncharacteristically for us that our, the, the lads had had their confidence knocked a little bit, um, and they just they didn't look themselves. Whereas literally from kick off on Saturday they looked completely in the zone, and they were they were really back on it.
2: It has taken us a little while to settle in, hasn't it? But I suppose the first three games of the season, to have one point, that's probably as much as we would have expected. And Although we are bottom going into the international break, I don't think anyone's too unhappy with how it's gone so far, are they?
1: No, I don't think so. I think if we looked at the first three games, we probably said, right, well, we're going to get a point from those three games. I don't think we necessarily have put it in the order that we got them. Um, but I think we'd have all thought, well, we'll probably get you know a point from the first three. Um, I've seen quite a few people say this, and I do agree with it. You, we really need to be looking at, at the teams um, around us. And um, you know, Leicester have only got one point more than we have, and they're the only team who finished above us last season. Um, and they've played, they've you know, they, they've played pretty much the same type of teams we have. They've played two strong teams, and they've played a weaker team. Um, so really, we're only we're probably about where we thought we would be, and we're only a point behind Leicester. So I'm not overly concerned in these early stages, and and it sounds a little negative, but at the end of the day, we, we don't, you know, we're not trying to get to sixth place like you're doing in in the championship. You're trying to get seventeenth, um, so I, it, it's fine. I think we're where we need to be at the moment
2: and the fixtures do start to to look a lot easier, don't they, after the international break. Um, Tom, we'll bring you in now. Firstly, congratulations. Excellent result for Manchester United getting a point at at Turf Moor. Um, What did you make of of the game overall? Yeah, well, it's good for us to get
5: a point from anywhere we can at the minute, I think, but um, I don't know. Prior to the game, I know you thought you you were confident you could get a win, and I know that was probably shared by a few Burnley fans before it but I honestly thought that we couldn't be as bad as we've been so far this season and I didn't expect your lot to be as good as you were on Saturday so I think in the end a draw was a fair result but it's disappointing because we're Man United and with all due respect you're Burnley but you beat us last time so it's a point we didn't get last time round. It cost us the league that one as well
2: It's it's nearly 40 years since United won at serve more in the league but that is only two games so it's it's not that impressive <laughs> a record when you think of it that way um, Di Maria obviously made his, his debut James has said he wasn't that impressed with how he went he was probably your best player on the day wasn't he but maybe doesn't say a lot
5: yeah I mean there's not much competition there really uh, for our best performer of the season or on the day on Saturday I think the the big thing for me about it was I didn't think his performance was too bad. I mean, he played that ball for for Van Persie, where Heaton made what I think is a really good save there. But we talk about like one of his his main strengths being his stamina and his engine, and to take him off after seventy minutes and, and bring Anderson on, I think I think that's more Van Nyl making a point about the state of the squad and the the need for action on transfer front rather than than any reflection on his performance.
2: There were a lot of United players injured as well. I think there's, what, 10 or 11 missed the game as well. So that, are the facts, But it, it did sort of strike home uh, the problems you've got when you're on Anderson for a £60 million player. Anderson, actually, has been rumoured to be uh, coming to Burnley today, but it doesn't seem like that one's going to happen. I suppose you'd be delighted to be rid of him. Um, of the transfers that you've done, so what do you make of the business? It sounds like Falcao and, and uh, Daily Blind are going to be the two before the transfer window closes?
5: Yeah, I mean, uh, pff, the Falcar one's a bit come out of nowhere again. and t- For me, it's the, it's the same, similar sort of thing to what happened with Van Persie, in that I don't think we need him and I don't think that the, the deal financially is that good for us, but the Glazers been willing to spend some money for a change is, is always a good thing. And... If we're getting a player of his quality when at the moment we're just struggling to score goals, I don't think we're in a position to turn it down. I I just part of me would just like to see more of a strategy with the transfers. Like Kagawa's left over the weekend and we signed him two years ago, surely with a view to changing the way we played, and then scrap that because Van Persie become available. So now we've got Falcao at the last minute here. Does this mean the transfers even down to Maria in the last few days is is scrapped because we've got Falcao and we might need to change the way we play again? I'm, I'm unsure about it. I think we just need some defenders.
2: It does seem a little bit like you're adding to an attack that's already quite strong and neglecting the other areas of the park. Um, there were a few penalty shouts as well. I think BT Sport made quite a lot of the, the Barnes handball one near the end. Um, James, did you think any of them were even close to being a penalty?
4: Nah. Moving on, moving <laughs> on. Uh, I think I think the Barnes one's probably the biggest shout. Uh, it hits his chest and then it does sort of get caught up in his arms a bit, but I think it'd be pretty harsh to be honest. He's trying to get trying to get out of the way of it. I mean, yeah, hit his um, chest already. Where is he? Where is he do, supposed
2: to put his arms?
4: Yeah, <laughs> you do he seem to, I mean, but he's in a. Yeah. It's come off his chest, so he's he's been hit from less than thirty centimeters away, which I think would be pretty uh, pretty difficult to to get out of the way of. And then the one on Young just shows that Young really needs to learn to stay on his feet because he's absolutely awful at it. Uh, he's probably falling over already, and Trippy does give him a bit of a push. But you know, I'm sure back in the day he used to be able to almost put two hands on someone and give him a push and not give away a free kick.
2: Well, let's say, if you compare it to, uh, was it Liverpool's second goal against Spurs, where Joe Allen basically had an arm, a hand on him, and then went down, it's more of a penalty than that one. But I don't think we should get into a situation where a defender can't have any sort of challenge in the box. And also, the the trip here on Young one, a minute later down the other end, it was exactly the same sort of challenge by, I think it was Valencia on Ings, wasn't it? It sort of shoulder charged him off the ball. So I don't think you can really claim one's a penalty and one's not when they were quite similar the, challenges. The worst decision
4: in the game was when Dean Marnie was breaking through the middle and uh, was cynically tripped from behind, and the referee just waved it away, which was absolutely bizarre. He was in a, a you know really good position there, I think, to push on and break into the box, and he, he's tripped on the edge of the D. It's a free kick every day of the week, and you know at least a
2: booking. I thought the ref did quite well overall, actually. Um, Natalie, what was your view of the penalty shouts? As obviously the Barnsley ball and the Trippier on Young one seem to be the two main ones, but there was also one uh, Duff challenge on Di Maria, where Duff seemed to get the ball and it was outside the box.
1: No, I, I didn't. I didn't think any of them were. To be honest, I uh, I agree with, with James. I think I think they were. We say this a lot, really. We're in danger of. of turning it into a non-physical game and I, I don't think there was the Barnes one he, he can't really get out of the way um, you know it hits his chest and then hits his arm and, and to, the, the Trippier one was just two strong physical players trying, both trying to get the ball and Trippier just came out better of it I don't think it was a penalty in any way shape or form
2: uh, and it is Trippier by the way anyone who watched Match of the Day will have heard Steve Trippy-A. Wilson
3: <laughs> calling him Trippier
2: all night I'm I, <sighs> I had a bit of going on on Twitter and he didn't take it very well afterwards but he should be doing his job right, he should not have seen it why would it be Trippie A's from Stockport um, I think by the way that's the first
4: time that Ashley Young's been called a physical strong player <laughs> I was talking
1: about in the context of the challenge
2: James I thought, I oh, thought I Young had lovely. already lost his balance and uh, Trippy yeah. maybe helped it him on his way a little bit
1: wasn't a, it wasn't a penalty, definitely not
2: Tom if we bring you in what was your thoughts on the the penalties I felt the Barnes one in particular at the end it was a sign of how desperate United were getting that they were chasing the ref around the pitch asking for that one
0: Yeah
5: I mean there was nothing in the Barnes one at all for me I didn't if it's not so late in the game then I I don't think there's much of a a shout for it at all I think that the uh, the Trippier one I'd argue there was more in that but I think Young's reputation precedes him there and as soon as you see that it's Young you assume that he's gone down too easily whereas if it's someone else with a bit more of a reputation for staying on the feet maybe because he, he, Trippier's hand is up he's got his hand under his under his shoulder and I think that's a free kick normally and if it's in the box it's a penalty but it's because it's actually Young he doesn't get it
2: yeah but look. Personally, I think any referee who's actually on a penalty should just be struck off, so I'm quite <laughs> glad that that decision didn't go their way. Um, it was a very good team performance from Burnley, but some individuals really stood out as well. I think uh, David Jones was the one for me, but also Michael Duff and Jason Shackle were both outstanding as well. Mm. Um, James, what were the, the best individual performances from your point of view? Maybe Scott Arfield again.
4: I think he's just been. Uh, sensational you're only you're only
2: saying Scott Arfield because you're his doppelganger.
4: <laughs> but me as well, then, <laughs> <laughs> apparently. Um, but uh, no, I think he's been great every game so far this season. You know, he's he ran a lot and you know put a lot of effort in. I think he had a few chances as well that you know maybe on another day he gets lucky with and scores another another quarter goal against uh, you know a big name side. But I think David Jones was the one who got um, the Barclays Man of the Match on on the telly and. You know, he had a game. I think at the first game of the season he did look a little bit off the pace, but I think he's clearly grown into sort of Premier League football over over the two fixtures since and uh you know, if he keeps improving like that, I think he's gonna be, you know, a strong midfielder for us this season.
2: I think Natalie already pointed out that the, the way Chelsea played meant that a lot of our players looked off the pace, but maybe having seen Chelsea in the game since, especially on Saturday against Everton Maybe that's just what they're going to do to everyone this season. I mean, we're all we all tipped Chelsea, didn't we, for the title? So it looks like yeah. they're pretty unstoppable. I think Chelsea are possibly going to, you
4: know, destroy teams who are worth a lot more money than us. You know, as we did see against Everton, and these, I think there is definitely going to be sort of a six, seven nil scoreline for them this season. They
2: just look that good. Excellent, wasn't he? There was one moment in the first half when he managed to stretch out a leg from somewhere and block a shot I think and then just whipped it away when United looked like they were going to score again I've been a bit concerned about Shackle in the, the three games before the United match but I thought he was really on the money and back to his old self
4: Yeah I mean I think he was, you know, if you'd looked at the defenders before the start of the season I mean, everyone was expecting Shackle to step up and you know play really well in the Premier League and uh, and Duff to be the one who struggled but I mean against Chelsea, Duff looked sensational and Shackle looked like a you know, bag of nerves, he was giving the ball away left, right and centre um, but against Man United, I think the pair of them were sensational, and uh, you know they look like they did last season. And if uh, Shackle can keep playing like that, you know he's gonna he's gonna win himself a few fans, I think.
2: I was really pleased the way he, he did come back because I was a little bit worried about his form. And it, for me, Shackle was one of the ones that I was absolutely positive was going to be fine, and we didn't have to have any concerns about it at all. So. It was a little bit strange that he did seem a bit nervous. Um, yeah, I mean, it's always worrying as well when your your captain's the
4: one who's sort of struggling. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Because um, it you, sets, you don't know what it sets the tone to the for rest the rest of the, of the team as well, doesn't yeah.
2: it? And especially when Ben Mees had a little bit of a tough time, and Shackles right next to him in the back four. on on Ben Mee, I think it's you know he deserves a mention for
4: how good he was. Um, yeah, definitely on Saturday because he he stepped up after. You know, a couple of tough games where he's arguably to blame for Nathan Dyer's goal against us, um, and you know he's definitely pretty suspect for the first goal against Chelsea. Um, but I thought he, you know, he dealt very well with Valencia and uh, and obviously Rooney as well at times. And uh, that was definitely, I think, the more encouraging performance for his season.
2: Yeah, I think there were a couple of defensive headers that weren't great, but that was really picking holes. I thought Ben Mee did play really well. Um, Natalie, if we are going to pick holes in, in the the result and the performance, maybe a slight concern is lack of goals. Maybe we've only scored once in four matches so far. Is that just the quality of our position we've played or is it a case of the, the two lads up front not quite settling into the Premier League yet?
1: For me, to be honest, I think I'm not concerned about us not creating chances because I think we are doing and our midfield are helping in that respect. Um, Yes, it's not as easy to create chances and we're not sort of um, tearing at defences like we did last season um, because that is because of the quality of the opposition. Um, I do think that we are lacking a little bit of cutting edge up front. And that's not being negative. That's being realistic. He does look... Out of sorts, and it does look. We all know Danny is a, a very much a, a player whose head will go down if he starts to feel that he's not performing well enough, or if he he needs more time. And I'm sure he just needs a goal, and it will come. Um, but I. I think it's a combination. I think that's that's where I'm getting at with this. I think with some of the lesser opposition, we'll create more. With some of the tougher opposition, we really need our front line to be ruthless and, and to be really clinical with the chances.
2: Yeah, I mean, for me, it's it's a little concern at the minute, but neither of them have missed any sitters. So it's not a case of them just not being up to it at all. I think it's just a case okay, so that we've not really uh, created enough chances for them as well. Um, Tom, if we can come back to you, I suppose you were watching Meiland from a United point of view, but was there anyone particular in the Burnley side that stood out?
5: Um, I'd say Dave Jones. Obviously, the United links there, sort of keep track of the players when they move on. Um, I had my doubts about him for a long time. Like I saw a bit of him when he was, he was at Wigan and different things had. And I was surprised that he was still in your team when he comes to the Premier League. I wouldn't have thought he'd be able to make that that step up again. And yeah, he really impressed me Saturday. Like Obviously, the free kick early on probably set the tone and gave him a bit of confidence or whatever. But I thought he had a genuinely really good game, albeit against a weak Manchester United midfield.
2: Yeah, well I made the point that he ran the midfield against hundred pounds of talent but that's Matter and Di Maria who aren't really the sort of players that were going to get in Jones's face so he probably had more time on the ball than he's had all season and I thought he really uh, made the most of that and I think you're absolutely right, I think when you hit the bar with a free kick really early on that gives you a bit of a boost and certainly saw that um, Obviously United have started the season really quite badly, but uh, Van Gaal said that he's going to take three months, hasn't he, to get the new formation bedded in. But is it the right formation for the players Man United have got? Do you think he's right to be going down this 3-5-2 route?
5: I'm not sure that he is. I mean, I know he brought it in. He says that he brought it in to Holland because of the Strootman injury and it was the best fit for the players he had. But I'm just not sure that's really true with the way we are at the minute. We seem to... Not we don't seem to be able to cope with the change, and we don't seem to have the players. And yet, the players that we're signing don't seem to fit into it very well either. And I mean, we've between Shaw, Rojo and Daily Blind play, bought three players you can play at left back, but we've no cover at right back other than Raphael because I don't like Smalling, Jones, or Valencia playing out on that side so really I've come here tonight to ask if we can do a deal for Trippier because he impressed me Saturday as well
2: Uh, Certainly not one involving Anderson coming the other way, I think we're all quite pleased that that one turned out to be uh, nothing at all. It's interesting you mentioned Trippier because Mm. a lot of people have suggested he's not really adapted to the Premier League yet but we're all expecting really big things from him so it'll be interesting to see uh, how he gets on for the rest of the season Just staying on United though, how much of the current problems is down to down to the Glazers not spending any money and how much of it's down to Sir Alex Ferguson not planning ahead enough for after he was gone. There was a real lack of investment in the squad, wasn't there?
5: Yeah, I think, uh, I, I'm not sure who it was, but I saw someone on Twitter the other day saying that they believe now that he'd made up his mind that he was going quite a bit before it became public and it's started becoming very short termist in his, his thinking and his signings, particularly around Van Persie and, and things like that. And like I mentioned before, if if we signed Kagawa that summer and made it look like we were going to change the way we played and accommodate him. And he was thoroughly scouted like um Ferguson was at the the cup final where Dortmund battered by Munich. And you'd think that you get a player like that and the quality and spend a bit of money on him that you'd you'd bring him in and play to his strengths and then we we just didn't and I mean, the last out and out central midfielder we signed was Owen Argreaves, and it's a bit of a scandal if you if you want to be competing for titles and and things. And Ferguson always said that they never rested, and you win one league, you carry on, you strengthen, and, and you go again. And, and we didn't. Like we, we've sat back a bit, and I think that although I don't think it's his fault, like the way he Cleverly had a couple of good games and then got he got injured against Bolton, and. In his absence, he got built up as this really great player because we played a bit poorly without him. And when he came back, he couldn't live up to that. And yeah, Anderson just, just had a selection of midfielders who haven't been good enough. And I think that's that's cost us um, while Ferguson was still there. But then for last season, to know for so long that Ferdinand and Vidic are both believing, and yet to be on deadline day and not having signed enough of a to strengthen the defence. I I just don't think I don't know
2: I don't really know what the plan is. You certainly seems to be scrabbling around at the end, like doing a deal for Falco on deadline day seems a bit desperation to me and you don't really see Chelsea and Man City in particular doing that anymore, do you? They seem to have a lot more of a strategy going on. Um just come back to Burnley and another another tiny little thing really from from the game was the lack of real options on the bench to change things. I suppose the signing of George Boyd will help that, but James, if if we'd signed maybe a better class of attacker in the summer transfer window, would that have maybe made the difference? We don't seem to have a lot to change games, do we? I guess it's hard to say. I think really our
4: problem has been the final ball um, as much as, sort of putting it away, that if you think about it, there's not been a, a huge number of clear-cut chances. And I think, you know, you're not going to see the best of uh, Lukas Chukovic if he's, if he's feeding off scraps. And, you know, maybe you could say a better striker might create more chances for himself. But, um, I mean, it's, it's hard to criticise what you've got when they're not really getting the, the opportunity you'd want.
2: So, in that case, is it a case where the supply lines need to be improved. Is is that maybe why we've spent so much money on George Boyd? The question of the week was: uh, How are Boyd and Shelbar going to fit in? Do you see Boyd starting?
4: Yeah, I can see. I can see Boyd starting. To be honest, um, it would be Taylor's place Taylor. to take. Yeah, yeah, because I mean, Arfield obviously has been been fantastic, but I don't think Arfield's ever really been the person you expect to to deliver, um, you know, crosses or you know, balls into the box. He tends to be the more the guy who's doing the the working and actually maybe getting opportunities himself because I think what we're going to see over the season is that Kieran and is going to struggle to get forward the way we used to uh, and obviously a, a huge number of assists previously come from him but you know when he's marking Premier League quality wingers he's not going to get the same opportunities to come forward.
2: That's a good point actually, and I think we've seen that already so far, haven't we? And I think. Um... One of the things I think is notable about the Premier League compared to the Championship is with having fewer games I think managers have got a lot more time to prepare um, for sort of individual-based tactics and I think Trippier being one of our strengths is obviously going to be something managers try and combat and pushing men high up the flank against him will be one of the ways to do that. I think Swansea did that really well with Routledge and just making sure that he's got a lot to think about defensively so that he can't... Um, get on with too much attacking um, and shallow bar as well I suppose the beauty of his signing is that he can cover two positions where we're extremely short of cover, he can play central midfield and central defence and apparently he's a natural holding midfielder which we haven't had one of those for quite a while now, apart from uh, your beloved Brian Stock of course
4: Yeah I mean I think um, you know, obviously Brian Stock I think would have been fantastic so far this year <laughs> <laughs> but, um, you know, a holding midfield is really what we, what we need. I mean, last time round, obviously, we used Graham Alexander in that role. And, uh, you know, I'm not saying 4-4-2 is not going to work. You know, clearly, we've had a little bit of success with it. You know, it's, it's worked for periods of games. Um, but I think you really need that option to be able to play five in midfield and play someone a bit deeper and uh, help protect your defence. But as well as that, someone who can get, get the passing going from uh, from the middle of the park
2: the fact that he can play at the back as well uh, could be key obviously like I said earlier we're doing this in the middle of deadline day so we're unsure as to whether there is a central defender coming in um, but he'll provide competition for Duff at the back as well Warning, he? he's played more midfield than defence I think but at, at Surf Morrow against us, he was playing for Middlesbrough I think it was in March Middlesbrough won 1-0 and he played both positions that day I thought he was absolutely excellent do you remember that one?
4: Yeah, I mean, obviously, I think Borough were in uh, the middle of a defensive injury crisis at the time. Um, but, you know, he looks like a good player. My brother's a, a big Chelsea fan and he watches um, the youth team and the reserves and all that and he, he really rates him. So, you know, it'll be interesting to see what he can do at the Premier League level. Two
2: signings signing so far? George Boyden, Nathaniel Schalber.
1: Yeah, really exciting. Um, I think... First and foremost I think given what's happened this week it was just nice to get somebody in who we paid actual money for and that we you know all we've heard all week is is I guess frustrated fans or you know nothing was happening in the transfer market and I think a lot of us expected there to be nothing coming out of um out of Burnley today so first it was quite a pleasant surprise to actually have activity and things happen um I think my boss at work emailed me today. He's um, he's a Middlesbrough fan, and he had... Is it Chalabar? Is that how you pronounce it? Chalabar, Chalabar? Uh... Shallow
2: bar? I think it's shallow bar, but it
4: could Shalabar. be taller. Shalabar. Well, so probably B and T approach, just do whatever you want. Yeah,
1: that's true. <laughs> However Shallow Bar. Shallow Bar. <laughs> um, yeah, I know that he's a he's a season ticket holder at Middlesbrough, so he saw him play last year. And he, he emailed me as soon as he heard the news and said that is a quality sign and he's such a good player. And he's made a, quite an interesting point and said he's his biggest skill that he found was that he just he gets the ball and doesn't lose possession like he doesn't get muscled off the ball at all and he just keeps possession finds his man and just you know gets gets the passes done so i think that's that's something i think against some of the not not necessarily the the tougher teams in the division, but against some of the teams who are also fighting like we are, who will really pack midfield and you know fight for every ball. I think that's something that we really need in our midfield. Um, I think it wasn't so bad on Saturday, but certainly against Chelsea, our midfield was was missing completely. Um, and if we can get somebody else in there who can keep the ball and, and can hold it up, then I think that'd be a really good signing.
2: I was saying on Twitter to someone earlier I've only heard good things about Shalabar so far but actually it's been a little bit mixed there's been a few Forest fans on the on the Twitter Clarets hashtag saying he was pretty terrible for them they're all talking about this one game at Yeovil, where apparently he scored in the first half but was still apparently so bad he got taken off at half time which sounds very impressive really but I think that was when Billy Davies was in charge at Forest, so I'm not sure how much we should read into that and also Watford fans seem um really taken to him and he was only seventeen when he was on loan at Watford playing regularly. So uh these loan spells in the championship, I suppose they can be tough, can't they? Because you've got to force your way into teams. But he seems like he's a very talented player. We've got a piece on the site today as well by uh Chelsea fan Joe Tweeds, who writes for a Chelsea blog and he says he's gonna slot in seamlessly. He's, raving about him a lot so I think we can all be quite excited about the shallow bar deal <laughs> so yeah it should be quite an interesting one shallow bar it will be interesting to see if he goes straight into the side it might um, require a change in formation I think James hinted at it earlier as well uh, certainly for away games I think 5 in midfield is an option and I think Dash has already hinted that um he might move away from the the two-up-front approach, away, especially for for teams towards the top of the league. But, James, I think the the problem with that is that Danny Ings probably isn't really at his best as a lone striker, is he? And you wouldn't want to move him out wide, so going to five in midfield probably raises questions as well. I mean...
4: um... I think if you play in uh you know at Stamford Bridge, maybe um having someone up there to, to score goals in the way Danny Ings is likely to isn't your number one priority. Um maybe your number one priority is conceding as few as possible yourselves. In which case, you know, you'd rather play a holding midfielder and, you know, someone big lad like uh Jukovic or Sam Vaux, um, up front to uh try and hold on to the ball for as long as possible and stop the other side coming the other way.
2: It does sound as well, though, that is going to be very useful on the break because he's he's quite quick and he carries his ball extremely well, apparently, so uh, it sounds like he'll be an asset there. Um, Tom, if we can just bring you in, from what you've seen of Burnley so far, how how do you think we're going to get on? Do you think we've got enough to stay up?
5: Um, I'm not sure, to be honest. I mean, I looking at the list of signings you've made and, and all this I was struggling to see where any of them really could be deemed Premier League quality but then obviously the game on Saturday um, I saw bits of the Chelsea game and admittedly like I think I, I agree with you guys I think Chelsea will, will win the league quite easily but after the Appro- uh, approaching half time and into second half I didn't think that they they walked all over you the way that maybe they did against Everton a little bit on Saturday they looked like they could score whenever they got forward even though they were a bit leaky at the back whereas it didn't really feel as much like that when they played you guys and that was the first game of the season obviously so I don't know performance wise I've been more impressed than I thought I would be with, with how you've done but I'm not sure, like thanks obviously a competitive league, I'm I'm not sure if if there'll be enough to, to keep your heads above water. But to be honest, I'm worried that we might get dragged into the relegation fight as it is, so <laughs> that's my main concern at the minute.
2: Well, I was gonna say we're only a point behind behind United at the minute, so yeah, I wouldn't get too worried about us. Might well turn out to be a, a six pointer when we play at Old Trafford. Um, but top four must already be. Out of the question for United after the start you've had so far—is it going to be a case of just trying to to rebuild this season? Do you think that's what Van Van Hall's aim is going to be? Yeah, I think it's got to be. I mean,
5: I keep hearing United fans mention like the start you had at Bayern Munich where they didn't do particularly well and were fifth in November or something, and they won the league. But it's a it's a completely different league, isn't it? And the way everything's set up this year. I can't see it. Even though I was really impressed with City against Liverpool, I just can't see Chelsea not winning it. They've, they look so strong. they in the complete opposite of what United have done. Chelsea have, have appeared to have identified all the problem areas, so, signed the players to to solve them, and have a good window because they've mugged PSG off for David Luiz. So, yeah, I think it's it's their league. I don't know what would be considered a success for United this season. I mean, obviously we can't be finishing seventh twice in a row. But I look at I look at Everton sometimes the way they play and think we don't look like we don't look like that we could score three past Chelsea even if we did concede six. So I think there's a lot of work going to go in. Maybe once the three at the back settles and he keeps saying three months, but I think this three months is a dangerous time frame the way he keeps saying it because. He started work on the 19th of July, so pretty soon people are going to start telling him he's, he's halfway through this three months and we don't seem to be getting anywhere.
2: It is going to be fascinating because uh, he's not the sort of bulk you'd really want to cross, is it? So I think there's going to be quite a few runnings with the media in particular. He seems quite spiky and he's going to take a brave journalist who takes him on and stuff like that, I think. So it's certainly worth keeping an eye on. Um Our Player of the Month award is back with um, the end of August, obviously coming with the Manchester United game. Just three league games to go over, as well as the Cup defeat to to Sheffield Wednesday, which we've not actually talked about because there's probably not that much to say. Burnley were pretty rotten. Um, Dash made seven changes and we went down to a late penalty. So we'll just pretend that never happened and we'll concentrate on the league, as they say. But the Player of the Month award is go again. There's a poll already on the site where you can vote for your favourite and also if you want to vote through Twitter you can do so with the hashtag Clarets P-O-T-M as ever um, I think there's probably a leading candidate for this but it'll be interesting to see what um, James and Natalie think in particular James we'll start with you you already mentioned Scott Arfield is he your choice for Player of the Month? Yeah he's
4: impossible to look past Scotty he's uh, obviously scored our only goal and uh, it was a pretty decent striker as, as well I guess you could say um and yeah, I think it's just impossible to look past him. You know, of all the players you look at, it's easy to say that you know a couple of months before last season, he could have been making the step down to League One or League Two, uh, and now instead he's playing in the Premier League and he's stepped up. You know, the best out of all of our guys. I think
2: it's an amazing story, isn't it? Really, the Arfield one. I don't think it really gets told enough, and and still he. He can't get a look in for the Scotland squad. That's so strange, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, I think
4: he actually was offered a deal at Huddersfield,
2: apparently. Oh, um, right, okay. But so it was he wasn't sort of, just cast aside.
4: No, but I think it was like a year of, you know, you're there as backup sort of thing, um, and then he was obviously looking at offers for, for regular football, um, and we sort of plucked him out of out of nowhere, and uh, I think we discovered a, a real jewel there. You know, he has, he has stepped up well, and. Uh, you know, I'd say if you look at the other people, even people who are now playing well. So David Jones, I'd say he's probably, you know, pretty quiet in the Chelsea game. Obviously, you can say that's because Chelsea's quality just made everyone quiet. Um, but you know, if you were to look at players before the season in the midfield, you'd say maybe Jones and Marnie, you know, will be all right because they've been there before. Maybe not played as much as they'd like, but they've been there before. Uh, whereas Scott Arfield, obviously, is has come from the other extreme of being probably more likely to have gone down
2: the leagues. Yeah, definitely. I I can't understand how he doesn't get into that Scotland side, Um, Scott Arfield. Uh, Natalie, what about you? Is it Arfield for you as well, or are you going to make a case for someone else?
1: Definitely Arfield for me. Um, He got my vote, although I've got to say it was a pretty close call between him and Dufford, because I thought Dufford played really, really well. Um, I'm in danger of turning into a bit of a Scotty fangirl, to be honest. But I, I couldn't really see any any argument for not giving it to him. And as James said, on top of his performances, he has scored our only goal, so it has to be Scotty.
2: That's a good point. It would be quite harsh, wouldn't it? It's him when nobody else has has really come close to scoring a goal. Um, so we are all pretty unanimous that Scott Alfield is the oldest player in the world. But don't let... Um, don't let that put you off voting if, if you do have another choice, like I said there's a poll open on the site, I think that'll be open for uh, the rest of the week and you can vote through Twitter as well using the hashtag P O T M. it's certainly a case to be made for for Duff as, as Natalie says he's confounded all his critics and uh, maybe David Jones as well he was certainly outstanding against Manchester United even though he wasn't great against Chelsea um, so looking ahead then <laughs> I can't really talk that much about transfers because deadline day is still happening um, as we record the podcast. But from the, the transfer dealings we've done so far, James, are you satisfied overall? I think it's nine new signings, isn't it, including Boyd and Schalber. Um Don't know, it's hard to say.
4: You know, you'd probably maybe like a bit more for the for the first year eleven, but you know, clearly uh you know, Sean Dyche has an idea of what he wants and I think for the most part he's he's probably got quite a lot of that. You know, if you've got nine players then you can't have missed out on too many. Obviously I know there's the you know the obvious ones, uh, sort of Bryson, Dawson. Um though I think Dawson, you know, could could well be second choice behind Bryson anyway. Um so I think, you know, for the most part we've probably got what Sean Dash was looking for. You know, a couple of hours to go until the window shuts as we record this now um, you know, they're still chancing to get one or two more in
2: Natalie we mentioned earlier that there was quite a lot of frustration about uh partly the lack of spending and, and maybe the quality of the players we've brought in do you think the, the Boyd and Shell bar signings have uh, gone some way to, to making people a bit happier
1: and I certainly think looking at my Twitter feed today I think that there's been I've not seen any negativity down down the feed at all and that's been quite unusual for the past sort of seven to ten days or so and people seem to be quite excited by them as a prospect and and like I say I don't think it's just that we've we've signed people when people weren't expecting it I think that they are they are players who people want to see um I don't know I think people are still optimistic there's still going to be more deals done before the end of the day whether that will be enough once the transfer window shuts, I don't know. I think a lot of people, and I, I do think this is a genuine concern. We've signed a lot of squad players, and we've signed, you know, we've built ourselves from from having a very small squad to to a slightly bigger squad, for, for want of a better expression. Um, we've not really signed what I would call a headline star signing. We've not really signed somebody who stood out and, and given the wow factor. Um, I think the, the main thing with the two that we've signed today is that you can see them slotting into the first team and possibly, you know, pushing other players out. Um, so you've got you've got a dynamic there where people will be fighting for their places. And um, whereas b- before today we didn't have that, but we still we just we're just lacking that big wow factor, I think. And I, I, whether or not that proves to be fatal to our season, I don't know. But I, I can understand some fans' frustration. You know, you, you come into the Premier League and you get all the benefits that come with it. But our signings, you know, don't seem to have reflected that yet. So let let's see. I think, I think, decide. I think the summary from today is yes, it's good and it's positive. But I still think there's a way to go yet.
2: Yeah. yeah, I agree. I think um, it's still a little bit of a concern that the bigger deals didn't get done earlier in the summer. I think that's maybe an indication that we. Um, maybe weren't quite up to it in terms of negotiation maybe individually all the transfers that didn't quite happen there were good reasons for it I think as soon as Watford wanted over £10 million for Troy Deeney we couldn't go anywhere near that Bryson and, and Lansbury seemed like they were never really interested in coming and just used their interest to get new contracts and, and James McArthur we ended up getting bid, uh for him from Leicester went up to like seven million for him so you can understand why these deals didn't happen but i agree that the frustration i think was uh fairly justified in that all the extra money that's come in um even with the the boy transfer which is apparently about three million i think that puts us still behind what we spent last time we were in the premier league and the tv money's about double so you would have maybe expected us to spend a little bit more um as we're we're recording now it's just been reported by Sky Sports that Michael Keane is a defensive target I think he's about the fifth defender to be mentioned today Um, while we've got Tom with us we might as well ask Uh, I suppose you've probably not seen that much of him have you he's a young defender but what can you tell us about Michael Keane
5: Um, I I watched him a lot in the youth team a couple of years ago um, and I always thought he was really good I mean and that sort of side, he uh, he stood out at that level. I know he's been out on loan and stuff, and I I'd heard mixed reports from his loans, but I just can't get my head around how we're still contemplating letting defenders go, even if he's a youth player. That I just, yeah, it baffles me. I like, I think he might not be the Manchester United standard of you. Vidic and Ferdinand, as he is right now, he's twenty one, I think. But yeah, you know, we're in desperate need of defenders, and it seems strange they'll be letting one go. If he is on, if he is to go, if it's on loan, then as you were saying with Shalaba before, it's probably a really good move for the player himself because if he can get first team Premier League football with, with you guys. A big part of that as well, I think, is that it's not got the pressure of Old Trafford. Like I've I've been there when I had a season ticket in, in one of the corners, and Danny Welbeck used to come on for the last twenty minutes of games, and he just got absolutely slaughtered. And he was seventeen, eighteen. You're thinking it's it's just not, it's not a good atmosphere and a good thing for bringing kids through. I don't think we seem to pride ourselves on bringing kids through, and then. I don't think the atmosphere is right for doing that. So if you can, if you can go to Turf Moor and get some games and get, yeah, get some experience in the Premier League and, and come back to us, I think that'd be a good, good move for us in particular.
2: Yeah, just uh, looking at his Wikipedia page. This is the the quality of research that we do here on the non never Ever podcast. He was on loan at Blackburn uh, last season, calling them Blackburn because it is a family podcast. Um, and scored three goals in 13 appearances for them. So got a, a few goals out of them um, as well. But I think there were, Tom's right. There were mixed reports about how he did at Ewood. Um, I'd mentioned him earlier in the summer, I think, as someone we could go after on lot. And I suppose the concern is that we can't really guarantee football for these young players who come in. Um, Another I, I thought we might have a look at is James Wilson, the, the lad who came on at the end of last season and got a couple of goals. Is he gonna go out on loan, do you think? I'm not sure what the plan is for him. I
5: mean I thought, to be honest, I, I obviously didn't see this Falco coming out of anywhere, so I thought he'd be kept around the squad and he'd sort of be the around the first team and coming on and substitute appearances a bit of a bit of a Chicharito role maybe. Um He scored goals at every level and he looks brilliant and I don't think it took much to score the two goals he did um, at the back end of last season but he put them away and it's yeah it's good nice for us to have such a good prospect coming through because he is quality but he's had a bad time with injuries and I think that needs to be well managed and I'm not really sure if a loan would be the best thing for him right now on that side of things.
2: That's quite interesting, just on Keane as well I was a bit surprised when obviously you've had problems at the back but I couldn't believe you were playing Blackett over him instead, I saw Blackett play against Burnley for Birmingham uh, he was playing left wing back I think and he was absolutely dreadful and he doesn't seem to have been any better for you is that just the case of him being left sided so he's he's better suited to it or was Keane not fit What well, it seemed a bit strange for me that Blackett got the nod over Keane
5: yeah, I'm not sure, I don't really understand that one myself, I'd, I'd have thought Keane judged on his, his youth team performances and uh, obviously he has got right on loan last year, I'd have thought he had been more ready for the first team football um, the problem again, it goes back to I think that first game against Swansea he Tyler Blackett, he, he gave a uh, he had a ball on the, edge, on the halfway line and the crowd got on his back because he passed it back to De Gea and it seemed to knock his confidence, when we give Away a free kick, he passed it to them. They played it early, scored, and we lost the game. And I wouldn't like to blame him for it, but I don't think the atmosphere there helped. Keane might have been a bit more prepared for that. Obviously, he's been in the England under twenty ones, and he's played out on loan. He's been a bit of a higher level. But again, I think this is where where loans come into play. And if if players like that can get a bit of time, like I said, if if Michael Keane comes to you and he can get a few games between now and Christmas or now and the end of the season, however long the loan is, it would be. Really helpful. I just don't think it's the sort of thing we should be entertaining at the minute because we're so short of defenders.
2: Uh, so looking ahead to to after the international break, a couple of weeks off, um, before the Crystal Palace away game, James. The, the fixtures, as I mentioned earlier, they do seem to get a little bit easier, but the pressure is now on to get results from these matches, and Palace and West Brom away, and Sunderland the home in in um September these are games where we're going to have to start picking up wins or we're going to get cut adrift aren't we yeah
4: i think Sunderland in particular is one that um you know people will be looking at and you know maybe even Dash circling on the calendar and said you know this is the game we we you know we want to be competitive in all over games but this is the game we want to win this is you know the must win game um you know palace away west brom away obviously you want to get as much as you can out of them but i think if you got a draw you wouldn't be you know, heartbroken um, but they are definitely ones that you look at and think you know, we can steal something off a relegation rival here at their own place
2: and that's always going to give you the upper hand against them Palace have, have had a, a really bizarre start to the season of course losing Tony Peel is before the season had even started and then at one point he was one of the favourites to be the next manager it looked like he was going to go back but it was Neil Warnock they went for Um We've got to see Palace as Relegation rivals now, don't we? But they do still have quite a lot of talent there and Zahar's come back on loan as well.
4: Relegation rivals to start with him with uh who is there, you know, he he done a great job last season, but um sometimes with these things you get an instant effect and you know it can tail off. Um but you know, Warnock's no no mug either. He's you know, he's been there around the bottom of the Premier League before. Um, you know, he knows what's what. Uh, and he, obviously, he was very unlucky to go down, um, which Sheffield United a few years ago. So, you know, you never know.
1: Um It's a really, really important month, and you know the, the team will know that, that the boss will know that. that they, they've got to get a win behind them. We've got to. A we've got a team who won so many games last year and they had that winning mentality in in them and you can see that it's affecting them this season and that they haven't got, you know, three games and they've not won one yet. I I do genuinely, I believe in this team and I believe in the, in what they're trying to do to that team from the managerial point of view. And I, I really feel that if they can get the first win under the belt, you'll see a difference. You'll see them start to grow into their roles. You'll see them grow into the team and they will start to play with a little bit more belief. Certainly players like Dana, who is obviously, you can see, is a little bit frustrated. And I think, you know, Jamie, you picked this up earlier on, Trippier himself, I think he's not had a shock as such, that sounds dramatic, but players like like Tripp's who have perhaps found it harder than they maybe thought they were going to do to make the transition you know just get one win especially at home and I think you'll see a real difference in the side and that needs to come quickly
2: I agree I think we'll take a lot of heart and confidence from the from the United result playing so well as well as getting the result against a team that's obviously not done that well but the quality of individuals within uh, the United attack and managing to keep that clean sheet I think that's going to be really important so Palace away is obviously going to be a massive game and I think if we can get something there that sets us up nicely for for someone at home which is really really key in the first game that you probably think we really have to win if we are going to have a good chance of staying up. That is about all we've got time for this week, thanks to everyone who's listened, Um, James, Natalie and Tom thanks for joining me as well, thanks as ever Also to our sponsors at Neville G. We couldn't do the website without them, so thank you very much. We will have a podcast next week. It'll probably be a a transfer special looking back at the transfer window, but obviously no game for a couple of weeks because of the international break. So the next podcast will be um, next week. But yeah, that's about all we've got time for. So thanks a lot, everyone. Good night.
0: Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com.
2: Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince
1: has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway. Like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags and so much more and it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use
0: safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing
2: for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and
1: 365-day returns.
0: This podcast is proud to be part of the Talk Sport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by
4: fans.